turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, May the 24th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 24th, 1844, Samuel F.B. Morris transmitted the message, What Hath God Wrought? From Washington to Baltimore, he formally opened America's first telegraph line, the Morris Code. Today in 1935, the first Major League Baseball game to be played at night took place in Cincinnati, Crosley Field. Today in 1937, in a set of rulings, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the uh, Social Security Act of 1935. Today in 1941, German battleship Bismarck, it sank the British battle cruiser HMS Hood, the North Atlantic, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the North Atlantic, killed all but three of the 1,418 men on board. I don't know if you like jazz or not. I kind of like jazz. I like to listen to it sometimes. Today, in 1974, one of the great jazz composers and band leaders, Duke Ellington, he died. He was 75. Today, in 1976, Britain and France opened Transatlantic Concord Supersonic Transport Service to Washington, D.C., that was the ugliest airplane I think I've ever seen in my life. Saw it land a couple of times, never rode in it, of course, but Marjorie and I were landing at, I think it was San Francisco Airport one day, back in the day, and uh, the pilot announced, he said, the Concorde will be landing next to us, and we happened to be on the right side of the plane. We looked out the window and saw it landing on a over to our right there, a couple of concourses or a couple of landing strips away. But it was, uh, it kind of looked graceful in some ways, but it was kind of an odd thing. It was a horrible investment. It just never worked out for Britain and France. Um, it just did not go where they wanted it to go. There's a number of those uh, Concords, in fact, sitting around on lots here in America somewhere. I don't know. I've seen pictures of them. Today in 1994, four Islamic terrorists convicted of bombing New York's World Trade Center in 1993. That was the first attempt to bring down those uh, Trade Center buildings. 1993, each of them were sentenced today in 1994 to 240 years each in prison. And today in 2006, An Inconvenient Truth, a documentary about former Vice President Al Gore's campaign against global warming, that's what they called it back then, global warming. That's morphed, evolved, excuse me, as they say, a number of times. But the inconvenient truth went into um, limited release today in 2006. That became the 11th highest grossing uh, film documentary in the United States in history. It, I don't I can't remember now it was like 50 million, 100 million dollars, something like that that it made gross income. But Al Gore went on to build what is conservatively estimated at a 200 million dollar um, wealth 
off his climate change, off his books, that documentary and another follow-up documentary, and uh, his speaking engagements and so on. And they say that his net worth is more than $200 million built solely off that uh, particular thing, climate change in general. I guess, I mean, in capitalism, you make money, but it's how you make it. And that it's always bothersome. Maybe it's just me, but it's always bothersome. You know, these guys are out speaking and they grab a microphone and, you know, tell you 14 years and the world's going to burn. And that's 20 years ago they were saying that or whatever. But you get to a point where you just kind of think, do these guys even be- I mean, if they believe it, you can think they're misled. But you wonder if they even believe some of the things they say. I don't know. President Joe Biden was appearing to celebrate the gas price crisis in America yesterday while he was in Tokyo. It sounded like it. Maybe maybe I missed something there, but he said he he said he said when asked a question, he talked about the incredible transition that the United States is in now. And he said this transition is away from reliance on fossil fuel. And it was during a joint press conference with the Japanese prime minister in Tokyo. This reporter asked President Biden, he said, whether Americans should prepare for an economic recession. And uh, Biden said Americans should not worry about a recession. He claimed his administration has made significant progress. They always say that because significant progress is very hard to measure. It's all in the mind of the beholder. Significant progress may mean that he gave another speech about something. I mean, you, you, it doesn't mean anything. And they use that term all the time. Significant progress, the left, significant progress. He said he made significant progress toward improving the economy. Uh, well, I don't know about that. But before repeating talking points about Putin's tax, he's referring to the record high gas prices when he blames it. He's trying to blame it on Putin and the war in Ukraine. While the war in Ukraine is having an effect on the world economy, the the things that are in place now, particularly gas and, and grocery costs and so on, there were supply chain issues before the war started in Ukraine, and everybody knows that. But then Biden said the quiet part out loud. He said, God willing, I'm quoting the president, he said, God willing, Americans will be less reliant on gas when the energy crisis subsides. In other words, this is the future, folks, and we're going to stay with this, and we're going to get to windmills and glass plates on the roof of our house. He said, here's the situation, leaning close to the microphone, as he often does. He said, here's the situation. When it comes to gas prices, we're going to go through an incredible transition that is taking place that... God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. He's not making money, as far as we know, off this climate crisis, so-called. But so many are. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's just somebody that doesn't really understand the thing like most ordinary Americans do, maybe. I don't know. But it is they are so locked in on changing the world and moving us away from t- 
taking us backward a hundred years, almost to when automobiles were first finding their way onto the streets of America to get to wind and solar and so on. And all scientists say it doesn't work. Maybe sometime in the future it'll work just, you know, well, but it doesn't work now. And there's been failure after failure after failure with these things. Why would he drag this country through this time of transition, as he calls it, when technology is is not ahead, it's behind? I don't know. I guess it's just a flaw in their thinking. I don't know. But I do know that it's causing a lot of worry and concern in the ordinary people in America, the people that aren't flying all over the world and having news conferences and flying off to Davos, Switzerland, to talk about how they're going to rebuild the world. Yeah, that took place as well. I mentioned it on Friday that it was opening on Sunday. Well, it did, and it's well underway as we speak on this this morning on Tuesday. But yesterday, Klaus Schwab, the founder, I talked about him, as I said, on Friday, and I talked about this World Economic Forum. But when he opened the event, and then yesterday he said, he greeted members of the global elites that are all gathered there at Davos. It's a ski resort in Switzerland, as you know, I'm, I'm sure. He said, the future is built by us, by a powerful community, as you here in this room. That's pretty heady stuff. 2,500 people in the room. We, we are building the future. Not the people that we didn't invite, but us, this group. He said, history at a turning point, government and business strategies is the theme of this year's uh, meeting, the 2022 edition of this World Economic Forum. On the evidence delivered on day one at the famous ski resort, Swab said, very much sees his organization at the forefront of shaping the world of tomorrow. In other words, he was saying, I'm in charge and you're on my committee. Schwab was quick to praise those gathered in the room with him. He said, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community, as you are here in this room. We have the means to improve the state of the world, but two conditions are necessary. One, the first one, he said, is that we all act as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not only self-interest, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we cooperate. He added that climate change and preserving nature is something to urgently address, while concerns about high inflation will affect how to look at the future and the global economy, he said. He pointed to fears of people plunged into poverty and dying of hunger. Almost sounded like a preacher. He's certainly not. Highest ranking American politician in the room was, of course, as I mentioned on Friday, Joe Biden, or Joe Biden's climate guy, John Kerry. Former UK cabinet member, 
had once a regular to this Davos meeting, he said, I'm out. He said, I think this whole thing is ceasing to be relevant. They just keep repeating themselves and they have themselves overrated. I would agree with that. And I think the ordinary people of the world, like you and me, see this as kind of ridiculous and contradictory, in my view at least. You have egomaniacs flying into Switzerland in private jets and pledging to plant millions of trees as a carbon offset. I don't know. Us folks out here are not, they they underestimate us. We may not be Einstein, but we understand some of what's going on and what's driving it. And we're not buying it. And I don't think we will. And perhaps this guy from UK is, is right. Maybe this group is becoming more and more and more irrelevant if they ever were, as they keep talking. One thing is certain. There is a lot of worry, a lot of concern, a lot of fret in the world today. Most of the, particularly in America, I see the polls and the surveys that are taken consistently show that people, some of the greatest concerns among people in our country is concern for the future, the uncertainty that we face today. And we are in an uncertain time. It's a perilous time. There's no question about that. But we turn our eyes and our hearts not not focused solely on the newspaper or the news broadcasts, but on the word of the Lord that will stand for time and eternity. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Peter wrote. John said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? In John chapter 14, verse 1, quoting Jesus, of course. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In Philippians, Paul writing, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In Colossians chapter 3, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, through which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Take time out of each day to focus on the good things that God has done for you. Eternal salvation, the blessings that God brings to our lives each day. Yes, there are difficulties, and yes, these are Perilous times, testing times. But Isaiah, the prophet, so many years ago, wrote in the 26th chapter, third verse, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That is the word that we must focus on as we take a look at what's happening in our world today. The Wall Street Journal editorial board said in a published article yesterday, Hillary Clinton did it. That was the headline, the Wall Street Journal. The Russia-Trump collusion narrative of 2016 and beyond was a dirty trick for the ages, they say. This is the editorial board themselves. And now we know it came from the top, candidate Hillary Rodden, Rodham Clinton. That was the testimony on Friday by the 2016 Clinton campaign manager, this Robbie Mook guy, M-O-O-K, in a federal court hearing. He said, while this news is hardly a surprise, the Wall Street Journal said, 
It's still bracing to find her fingerprints on the political weapon. I understand what they're saying. I kind of agree with that. I think most of us knew all along that Hillary was involved in this, clear to her eyeballs. I mean, she and Bill have been involved in all kinds of corrupt activities over the years politically. I mean, it's well known. I don't think anybody is surprised by this, that she gave the order to go ahead and launch this thing. And I'll tell you how it worked in a moment. Launch this thing about Trump and Russia and all that. Yet there's something kind of, I don't know, it's just it's just kind of disappointing. Even for Hillary Clinton. I mean, to be caught so red-handed doing without, without even restraint, doing whatever it takes to get elected, failing in the process, but nonetheless doing that. Boy, the mainstream media is running from this story like it's infected with the monkey pox. They don't want anything to do with it. They won't touch it hardly. The Wall Street Journal, though, concludes in their article, they said with most of the press will ignore this news, but the Russia-Trump narrative that Mrs. Clinton sanctioned did enormous harm to the country. It did. It disgraced the FBI, humiliated the press, the Wall Street Journal says, and sent the country on a three-year investigation to nowhere. Vladimir Putin never came close to doing as much disinformation damage as Hillary did. Well, I'll tell you, when the light of truth is turned on, you see a lot of things that you don't see. Mr. Mook testified as a witness in a special counsel, John Durham. You hear his name often in the news. This is Specifically, this has been the trial of Michael Sussman. He's the lawyer that that's accused of lying to the FBI, and he did lie. I mean, they've got it, his words. In September of 2016, Mr. Sussman took claims of a secret Trump connection to Russia's Alpha Bank to the FBI. And he said, they asked him, they said, are you acting on behalf of a client? He said, no, I'm not. That was a lie. He was acting on behalf of Hillary Clinton. The FBI then accepted. They said they wouldn't, they are now saying they would not have accepted it had he said he was acting on behalf of a client. He knew that, so he lied to them and said, I'm not acting on behalf of a client. So he took this thing that had been created out of nothing, that somehow Trump was connected to this Alpha Bank in Russia, and that he, he the Alpha Bank was kind of the portal through which he was colluding with Putin to influence or control the election here in the United States. Prosecutors say he was working for the Clinton campaign. They have proven that now, and they have. I've seen the evidence. It's out there. Prosecutors presented evidence this week that Mr. Sussman worked with the cyber researchers, the opposition research firm, Fusion GPS. Remember that? We were talking about it a couple of years ago or so. They worked with GPS to Fusion GPS to produce the claims on behalf of the Clinton campaign and to feed them to the FBI. FBI said, are you representing the client? No, we're not. Okay, we'll take your information then. FBI agent testified that the Bureau analysis quickly rejected the claims as implausible. They said it can't be, but they had the material, and that was all the Clinton campaign wanted, was to say that the FBI is looking at the material. 
which implies guilt on the part of Trump and so on. Prosecutors asked Mr. Mook about his role in funneling the Alpha Bank claims to the press. Mr. Mook admitted the campaign lacked the expertise to vet the data. He said he pleaded ignorance, basically. Yet the decision was made by Mr. Mook, policy advisor Jake Sullivan, who is, by the way, he's now President Biden's national security advisor. Jake was involved in this, clearly his armpits. Communications director Jennifer Palmareri and the campaign uh, chairman, John Podesta. They were all involved in this, this Alpha Bank claim. They took it to a reporter. So they took it to the FBI. They took it to a reporter and said, the FBI is looking at this. Trump is colluding with with Putin, and they're going through this portal of, of connecting through this Alpha Bank uh, relationship. So the press then reported that the FBI was looking into Donald Trump, Russian collusion. That's how the whole thing started. It was created. It was like planting a seed that didn't exist. So they created a seed and called it something that it wasn't. And then they nurtured it and it grew into this massive thing that's gone on and on and on. America has spent tens of millions of dollars, probably hundreds of millions of dollars in investigating And it has hurt the country, as the Wall Street Journal said. Hillary Clinton has hurt the country irreparably in some ways. Well, (laughs) Jake Sullivan, as I said, is now President Biden's national security advisor. Mrs. Clinton, Mr. Mook, they were both asked about the plan and they approved it. A lot of people are saying so that we're in that inner circle. They're trying to bargain their way out of prison now, I suppose, or a sentence. But a story on the Trump Alpha Bank allegations that appeared in Slate, that was the first newspaper that ran it. It's a left-leaning, it caters to the homosexual community. It's widely read. But that was October 31, 2016. Mr. Sullivan issued a statement, and they mentioned that the Slate was running this story, but the story was given to the slate by them. Other newspapers declined, or they kind of hesitated. They said, nah, I don't know about this. They didn't run it immediately, but the slate ran it, and then the the Clinton people said, oh, this is in the press. A story released today, published today, says so-and-so, so-and-so, and th- this whole thing, I mean, they were just, it was like building a wall, brick by brick, and that that's what they were doing with this story. And they created it out of nothing. And they would take it to the FBI and then report that the FBI was looking at it with the implication that they thought it was, you know, real. And then they would take it to the newspapers. And as soon as one of the newspapers published it, then they would say, and there's a, there's an article today that was published that says so-and-so. And And they just kept repeating and they kept referencing something they had created as the source or the affirmation of the story. In a statement that Sullivan released back then, who, as I said, is now President Biden's national security advisor, Sullivan said this could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Hillary then tweeted Sullivan's statement and said, Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. 
suggesting that they had finally uncovered the back channel through which Trump and his people were colluding with Russia regarding the election. Wall Street Journal editorial board puts it in perspective with this. In short, they said, and I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal yesterday, in short, the, Cl- the Clinton campaign created Trump alpha allegation, fed it to a credulous press that failed to confirm the allegations but ran with them anyway, then promoted the story as if it was legitimate news. The campaign also delivered the claims to the FBI, giving journalists another excuse to portray the accusations as serious and perhaps even true. Well, indeed they did. There's a name for what Hillary and her people did. It's called circular reporting. People have been doing that for years, but not at this level. The lie is created, the lie is launched, then someone quotes the lie because it's the news cycle, and then a misinformation campaign is born, and and then people across the country are saying, did you hear that Trump, What what's this connection? Trump is connected to right? It's all manufactured. And it could be about anything. This happens to be about Trump and Russia, but tens of millions of dollars, four years, to find out that Trump was right. He said, I'm not connected to Russia, this is a hoax, and he said it a million times, as we all remember. But this charade was so deceitful that even Hillary questioned, with Mook, whether they should spread the lie to the journalist. She said, well, I don't know, I mean, this, you know, I I have reservations about doing this. Mook says Clinton agreed, though, to have the information spread to the media. Even some of her staffers were telling her not to do it. It was too blatant. It was just too blatant of a lie. Will any of Hillary or any of her cohorts see any consequences for misleading the American public? I don't know. Here's what we do know. Sussman is currently standing trial and pleaded not guilty to charges of lying to the FBI during a 2016 meeting after he denied working for the Clinton campaign. But he did lie, and it's it's on the record, when handing over the information to the FBI. He's now saying, you know, I, I didn't do it. Well, he's just buying time. He did do it, and he knows it. They know it. Everybody knows it. We also know that Clinton's former campaign manager, Robbie Mook, testified Friday, this past Friday, that the then-presidential nominee, Clinton, approved spreading reports of the Trump campaign colluding with Alpha Bank. She said, go ahead and, and do it. Push the button. We also know <laughs> that over the weekend, Elon Musk, he recently called Democrat, the Democrat Party the division, the party of division and hate. He tweeted, after he saw what I'm sharing with you, he tweeted, he's a Democrat, you know, he has been, and he's given millions of dollars to the Democrats. He said, he insinuated that he, that they will be executing dirty campaign tricks on him. So he said, I'm not going to be voting for any more Democrats anytime soon. He said, I'm going to vote for Republicans in the 2022 midterm election. That is part of the crisis and the pull and the tension that we feel here in America today in our culture. I tried to take a little bit of time today to kind of update you on some things that are happening, but please wrap this in the truth of God's word. God is in control. We must be informed and we must be engaged in the culture as Christians. Otherwise, there is no light There is no truth in the matter. 
but we are not to be overcome with worry or fret. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow.